Welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm a registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And we've got an awesome guest with us today. We are doing a Facebook Live with Richard. Richard is a former massage therapist and has now changed around what he is doing. He is helping other massage therapists to grow and develop their massage therapy business. He has an awesome Facebook group called Massage Therapy. Therapist Success Mindset, and my man's got a book that's going to be out, I'm hoping, pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Richard, why don't you tell our audience a little bit about yourself, and we'll start rock and rolling on some stuff. Yeah, thanks, Mark. Um, yeah, so as you mentioned there, I was a uh, massage therapist for nearly a decade. became a massage therapist in 2002. I was inspired to get into that through my mom, who's a uh, reflexologist, so I kind of grew up around serving, serving people to help them heal their their bodies and and yeah so I, I went into massage therapy and kind of never really looked back from there and uh, that's kind of where I started my journey into where I am now and why I did a full circle back after leaving massage therapy for again almost almost another decade I've I've been out of massage but never really left yet because you're once you're a massage therapist is kind of one of those things that uh, you kind of always hold on to at least for me anyways so yeah yeah um give us the backstory then like what were you doing before massage and uh, where did you where did you take off to like what were you doing in between before massage I was actually in high school so I uh, graduated from high school in uh, 2000. I, I come from a family of entrepreneurs. So my dad had a uh, painting and decorating business in Edmonton, Alberta. And uh, so I, he had said to me, uh, why don't you come work, work for me? And I said, sure. So I went to work for him and I hated it. Uh, it's just the worst. I had not cut out for painting walls and sanding walls and all that. So I uh, started so work for him for a bit. My mom had started getting me to help her prep for her her sessions and her clients and all that and I kind of enjoyed doing it and uh, I enjoyed listening to her talk about the trigger points and the feet and the hands and the ears and the face and all that and I thought mm-hmm. what can I go into that's going to actually complement that never really been much of an academic person had a lot of people tell me throughout um high school that uh, I probably wouldn't choose a career. I'd probably go and work for somebody for my entire life. I've, I have a lot of stories like that. But uh, so I thought, you know, I'll go into massage. Massage seems like a pretty cool thing. And uh, yeah, and then I kind of went into that much better than working for my dad. And I uh, went into massage and then um, I opened up my own business probably after about a year and a half of working for somebody uh, right out of the gate. Uh, so I was pretty young, early 20s, didn't really know what the hell I was doing, but made it work. I uh, had that business for yeah nearly a decade and just kind of life kind of started to throw things in my way that had me questioning what I wanted to do with myself, uh, what I wanted to become. I ended up moving up north uh, after meeting someone moved to Fort McMurray and uh, practice up there for a bit. Uh, started to burn out a bit, as a lot of massage therapists do. And I ended up suffering quite a bit uh, again with my hands and my wrists. And I decided to go back to school again. I was kind of pressured into going back to school. And so I went back to school and got my occupational health and safety and uh, went into the OHS field in oil and gas. Mm. Uh, and did that for several years, bounced around, moved back to Edmonton, uh, went and worked for uh, Alberta Health Services and did occupational health and safety for them. Uh, bounced around again, <laughs> went into uh, back into pipelines, oil and gas, moved to Calgary and worked for a company called Enbridge Pipelines, where I did their office health and safety focused on ergonomics. I was pretty good at that because had a fairly good understanding of anatomy and physiology from my massage days. And again, bounced out of that because I was trying to look for my happiness, you know, and I bounced out of that and went into, uh, worked in aviation and went and worked oh. for, yeah, went and worked for uh, WestJet Airlines uh, for a few years and uh, did, again, occupational health and safety. I looked after their um, corporate safety uh, uh, airports, so which uh, kind of embodied uh, traveling around Canada a lot. So I got to see a lot of Canada. Mm-hmm. And at that point, it was just, again, the same thing. It was like a cycle kept happening to me. Every few years, I was getting bored, getting restless, hated my job, hated my life. And I thought, you know what? I need I need to do something different. And so I kind of began to 
lean back on my roots of understanding, well, if I want to create a change in my life, I need to understand, first of all, who I am, who I want to serve, and what is it that I really want? Not what my spouse wants, not what my parents want, not what my friends think Mm -hmm. I should do. And uh, and that's when I ended up meeting a gentleman named Bob Proctor, uh, who uh, some people might have recognized the name. He was on the 2006 movie, The Secret. And I uh, ended up meeting him and uh, I ended up getting trained by him and becoming one of his consultants that taught a program of his called Thinking Into Results. And really from there, that's what launched me back into, you know, discovering what it was I really wanted to do. And so I wanted to combine my passions uh, which was obviously um, the mind, subconscious conditioning and all that. And I'll get into that, I'm sure. And uh, adult education, which I learned a lot through working in corporate and health and safety, because there's a lot of education that goes on in there that you have to teach to employees and coupling it with massage. And it was actually Bob Proctor that said to me, because uh, I asked him, I said, how do I focus on what I'm doing here? And how do I create it into my own? And he said, well, what do you have experience in? What were you good at? What was a problem that you solved for yourself that you can help other people with with this material? And I said, well, ah, going back to my massage days. I said, I was a massage therapist for nearly 10 years, loved the career. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoyed um, the interaction with my clients, helping them heal. You know, I, I went and started my own business when I didn't think I could, and I rocked at it. So, and he said, that's what you need to do. And so <laughs> the rest was history from there. And then I, uh, I, I kind of slowed down teaching for Bob and I decided I'm going to go out, uh, all out and create my own and start my own program. Uh, and that's when the book came along and now I guess fast forward and now we're here. Right on, man. Yeah. That sounds like, that sounds like you got a lot of things going on. Talk to me about the, the thinking into results. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, thinking into results, uh, was a program. It was all based online, like a lot of the online digital programs are obviously now. And it, it was self taught for uh, my clients taking it. And they pretty much studied the material. And then once a week, uh, we would meet, we would do like an open coaching mm-hmm. and I would coach them through the material. And it really showed them a lot of what I teach now. It really showed them uh, what the subconscious mind was all about, how to set goals, pretty much all that sort of stuff. And it took a lot of his philosophies. And one thing that people don't realize is that a lot of these, a lot of these coaches and they quote gurus and everyone that you see, they all learn from somebody else. So they're taking the things that they learned from literature, they read, um, studies that they've had over the years, their own experiences, and they now regurgitate it back in their own language so that their clients and followers can understand it. So, and that's pretty much the path that I kind of went along with that as well. So the thinking results really taught me how to structure a program. Mm-hmm. And then, and then it was at that point when I decided, you know, I, how can I tailor this to massage therapists? How can I tailor this to massage therapists who want to create more within their practices? And that I can just focus on massage therapists. Right on. Mm. Um, so you are a personal growth and development coach. Uh-huh. Tell our audience what that means to you. That's a really good question. So uh, personal growth and development coach. So I, I oftentimes get attributed to a life coach. Uh, but for me, uh, the life coaching side of things wasn't, um, a, a, there's a bit of a stigma around it, mm-hmm. and, which is fine. And the stigmas don't bother me because I know it's all perception, but I just didn't resonate with it. And so the personal growth aspect of things is helping, helping my clients or helping people understand who they are in their growth process and how to grow and the development side of things is helping them all along their journey through that growth helping them maintain that growth structure helping them create the momentum that you need to have to succeed in pretty much anything that you're doing towards your set goals right so that's i think that's where the personal growth and development development coach comes from when people ask me what i do I actually come sometimes have a hard time explaining what I do because I don't put a title on myself really. Like it's, it's just kind of more for the public so that they mm-hmm. can kind of place a title on me so that they have a better understanding around what I do. But realistically, I help people grow and I help people understand who they are in that so that they can keep succeeding in what they're doing and, and really realize their true potential uh, within their most authentic self and how they want to serve that back to mm-hmm. their people. So who are your clients then? Typically, it's massage therapists who are wanting to get out of the, you know, the stereotypical, you know, working for somebody else, earning kind of like half their wage because they're paying out the majority of their income to build someone else's business. Mm-hmm. Uh, who, uh, massage therapists who are really, truly entrepreneurs inside want to make their own decisions. 
uh, want to create more than what they're doing, it's really hard to uh, niche out your practice when you're working for somebody else because niching out consists of a lot of individual marketing and tailoring your business around that niche. And really, when you're working for somebody, unless you're working for a very progressive, open-minded employer who is totally cool with you doing your own thing. It's really hard to do that sort of thing. So I focus on the massage therapists who are wanting more for themselves in that aspect, that more autonomy, that decision making, that growth that they don't normally see when working for a clinic or a center. Mm -hmm. So when a therapist finds you and is looking to work with you, are they very mindful of this is the stage that they're at, that, that they want to do something bigger, that they that they have a little bit more of an entrepreneurial mindset? Or is there a common denominator where they just kind of feel like, mm, I'm kind of lost and I really don't know what I'm doing next. Let me see if I can find someone to help me. Or, or is it that most of the people that end up working with you or even just consulting with you to find out what you're all about, is it that they are like, I'm ready to do something bigger? Typically, when someone finds out about me and they connect with me, it's, it's through a lot of the social media that I post. And it obviously has to resonate with people because a lot of people will look at they'll look at their success and their growth in the way of, oh, well, I need to market in a specific way or I need to get a specific type of education. But you see people who are marketing in very similar ways and have the same type of education who are rocking it at their practices while other people are not. They're just barely kind of making buy. Mm -hmm. So there is definitely an aspect of this where the massage therapist needs to understand that there is a deeper component that has to do with the way that they, the way that they think about themselves, the way that they think about their business, um, their perception. Um, it definitely helps me as a, a coach when my client has already, has already done some awareness and some homework on personal growth and development mm -hmm. because you don't really have to go back to absolute basics and then try and convince somebody of the science around you know how how their thoughts create certain you know health issues within their bodies or their emotions are attracting to them circumstances that they're living in their experience which my focus obviously being around business but it definitely helps and that is primarily the reason why I wrote my book because when people are interested in working with me, I tell them all the time, please go read my book. Mm -hmm. uh, I want them to read the book before they start working with me because then they have a basic groundwork on what it is that we're going to be doing. And there's no surprises and I'm not coming up against a pile of old limiting beliefs that they adopted from, you know, their religion as a child or their parents' limitations or whatever it is. The more self-aware I can get my clients to be before we start working together, the easier it is for me and it's ultimately easier for them to mm -hmm. grow and adopt this information. What are some of the common limiting beliefs that you're seeing or are there common limiting beliefs that you end up hearing from massage therapists looking to work with you? A lot of them, I, it's funny because I find a lot of these common limiting beliefs are in alignment with things that I had as well growing up, like uh, people who have money blocks who think that that they're not worthy to create a certain type of abundance within their within their business, or um, some of it may also be things like imposter syndrome, where um, they have the education, they have the training, they have the experience, but they don't think that they're you know skilled or qualified enough to take their business to the next level and mm -hmm. maybe educate other massage therapists or maybe like we were saying before, niche out on something very specific and become the subject matter expert in that. Um, limiting beliefs such as that, but it's funny because I find that most oftentimes when I do come up against people's limiting beliefs, I will often ask them, um, tell me about the type of family you grew up in. What did your parents do? What are their thoughts on this? The One of the biggest ones that I see is people have a preconceived idea and belief around sales. And mm -hmm. believe it or not, you're, you're a salesperson. I don't care if you're a, you sell rug cleaners or you're a reflexologist or a massage therapist. You are a salesperson. You learn how to sell from when you're a kid, from when you want something from your parents and you're trying to convince them or from your teachers, or your peers. You're a salesperson. But what happens is when we have limiting beliefs around sales, we actually push away clients. We, we push away opportunities that lead us into more abundance within our practices. 
And a good way of understanding where that comes from is analyzing the beliefs that your parents had about sales, because mm -hmm. it more than likely came from that. And that's, that's in the most cases that I see anyways. Do you think a, a part of that limiting belief on sales and those money blocks also comes from the idea of being considered to be healthcare? Like I've talked about this before on a couple of other episodes, especially with other coaches, especially the guys from the States where, you know, it's, it's a lot different where massage therapy in Canada is really kind of got a root in complementary alternative medicine or paramedical, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. And a big part of what we do when we have a, we have a continuing education company called Conid Institute and we have a healthcare entrepreneurship course. And I feel like one of the biggest things that we come up against are money blocks where a therapist can't get around the idea that they are not just a therapist. They are a company or they're an organization. They're, they're, they run a business. And because they're kind of trapped in that mindset of I'm, I'm, I'm solely here to help people. I think it really puts a, a barrier in the way of feeling like you should or you should be allowed to make money doing what you're doing. As we always say in that course, if you can't make money, you can't keep your doors open. And if you can't keep your doors open, you cannot help anyone. So if your goal is to help people, money should be on your mind. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I wrote a blog about that a little while ago, actually, around limiting beliefs of you know, the stereotype around because you are a massage therapist, it may, it may not necessarily mean that you're going to earn much money in what you do. And uh, so that's a total stereotype. It's an industry stereotype, which really shouldn't exist. Because if, if someone can become a millionaire off of a pool noodle, I'm pretty sure that you can become quite wealthy <laughs> off of being a massage therapist. Sure. Uh, but it's, it is definitely that limiting belief that is creating a cycle um, within the industry as a whole. And we have this like mass limiting belief now. And it's almost like mass hypnosis because um, if you get a bunch of people together who have the same limiting belief, they're just going to feed off of each other and talk yep. about those limitations constantly. And you see that quite often in a lot of groups. And I, it took me a long time to learn don't chime into these things because there's just, <laughs> there's no point. Uh, but you'll see a lot in these groups where people will start bitching and complaining about their clients or they'll start complaining about tips or they'll start complaining about all this other stuff. And, and while obviously they're, they're, the real frustrations that sometimes people will face, I have to sit back and, and say, like, are you feeding into a problem or are you finding solutions for it? Because exactly. if there's a reason why, you know, maybe you're you're not getting your repeat client uh, booking in or you're, you're not getting tips or whatever it may be, if there's a reason why that's happening, it's really important to take a step back and say, well, is everyone experiencing this or am I the only person experiencing this? Or am I one mm -hmm. of, you know, and, and to really look at yourself and say, okay, how can I solve this problem? Let's look at why this is happening in the first place and how can I solve it? Because you bitching about it, you complaining about it is only exasperating the problem. It exasperates the belief. And what happens is you literally begin to create more of that in your experience because your subconscious mind takes that as marching orders. Your subconscious mm -hmm. mind says, oh, okay, cool. This works for me. I'm going to attract into my experience. I'm going to look in my environment, everything that matches that belief, that marching order. Your, and I haven't, obviously we haven't talked as much about subconscious mind yet, but your subconscious mind doesn't know the difference between something that is good for you or something that is bad for you. All it right. knows is what you constantly keep telling it over and over. And those things that you focus on over and over and over again are marching orders for your subconscious mind to bring into your experience that which you're telling it. So that's why it's super important that when we look at the massage therapy industry, and you start talking about your career in the sense of finances and limitations and all that sort of stuff, that you're really asking yourself, is this something that's in alignment with what I want to experience for myself? If it's not, stop talking about it and start mm -hmm. focusing on ways that you can bring in that abundance into, into your industry and be that trailblazer and be that person that starts to create change that shows other people that it can be done. Also coach other massage therapists on that because we need that in this industry. For so. sure, man. So talk to us then about the subconscious mind because th again, this is something that we teach mm -hmm. a lot 
in our in our entrepreneurship course, we actually started off with a session called Change Your Mindset, Change Your Practice. And oh, it's wow. all about understanding the subconscious mind and the creative subconscious and everything that you're talking about. So why don't you give us a, a quick and dirty, maybe even some very kind of useful tools that someone can start to employ, whether that's things like affirmations or whatever the case is, stuff that you use or that you encourage other people to use. Yeah, that's exciting. I didn't know that about you. So that's, that's really awesome. I love hearing that because it's not something that we were really taught in massage school that often. And if it is, that's changed since I took it because it wasn't the way it was. But you're so, so you have to think of it like this. So your subconscious mind is responsible for pretty much all of your habits. And 95%, roughly 95%, of your daily actions are habitual. And this yeah. is from how you put on your pants in the morning to how you brush your teeth to the reactions that you give to your clients to how you answer the phone, what side of the ear you talk on. This is all subconscious mind stuff. These are things that happen on automatic without you consciously having to place effort into it to do so. Mm-hmm. So your subconscious mind, if it is responsible for 95% of the your actions that you take in your day, which are 95% of the results you get, then it's probably a wise idea that you understand how the subconscious mind works and understand how it's programmed. So the first things first, when it comes to the subconscious mind, you have to understand that pretty much the majority of your limiting beliefs that you have for yourself, which are creating your results, come from your childhood. And I know this kind of sounds a little bit cliche, but it's absolutely true. So up until usually around the age of seven or eight years old, you are essentially a hard drive being downloaded with information into it and you're being programmed. And part of this is genetic. And Mm -hmm. the other part is environmental genetic being the way we, you know, we talk and sound like our parents look like our parents. Cause your subconscious mind is also responsible for bodily functions. Cause you don't consciously think about making your heartbeat. You don't consciously think about digesting your food. This is all, uh, your subconscious mind. This is, it's the creative energy and creative force that built your body, runs your body and heals your body. Mm-hmm. So, and it also creates, obviously, as we're talking about your results. So when you're thinking about the conscious mind in this way, the other portion of, of programming of your subconscious mind comes into play usually through traumatic events. So that's, that's a lot of where like PST stuff plays into, it comes into play. It's a right. severe emotional impact typically unexpected that had a really large programming effect on the subconscious mind and it actually tailors your beliefs in a way typically for the negative that recreate circumstances inside your conscious mind and you start thinking about things over and over and over again your subconscious mind believes that it's actually happening you start experiencing the physical traumas and ailments from it and it's a repeated cycle and all this shit happens in your life that sucks because mm-hmm. you're programmed in a certain way. So, so your subconscious mind being programmed comes from your childhood or severe emotional traumas. Now, here is the thing around the subconscious mind. Your subconscious mind is completely programmable. There's a phenomenal book called uh, Psycho-Cybernetics by Maxwell Maltz. Uh, Maxwell Maltz was a cosmetic surgeon in the 1960s. He talked all about cybernetics as being a science of control and communication in the uh, in animals and some machines. So, c- cybernetics measures deviation from a set goal and sends information to a coordinating mechanism that corrects the output and keeps whatever it is moving towards that goal. Your subconscious mind is very similar to a cybernetic mechanism. Mm-hmm. Once it's programmed with a belief or also known as a paradigm, as you can see, this topic goes really deep. But yep. once your subconscious mind is programmed in a certain way, it's going to do whatever possible to keep you set heading towards that goal. Exactly. That, that goal might literally, you might have a, a subconscious paradigm or belief that you're fat, even though you're not fat, maybe. And, but you, you tell yourself you're overweight and you have this fat self image. And then you think to yourself, well, I'm going to go on a diet. I, I consciously, you're like, I need to stop this. I need to go on a diet. And so you go on a diet and you start seeing some results. And then all of a sudden, a couple months later, you go right back to how you were before. Exactly. You're resetting yourself back on path. That is that cybernetic mechanism 
putting you back on path. Attribute yourself to a airplane. Uh, an airplane has a cybernetic mechanism. It's called autopilot. This autopilot, say you're flying from Toronto to London, Heathrow. And on the route from Toronto to Heathrow, you're, the, the, the pilot sets it on autopilot and the plane gets hit by turbulence, gets knocked off track. It gets knocked off track hundreds and hundreds of times during a flight. But the cybernetic mechanism realizes that there's a deviation in the path, the journey that, that the plane is on, and it brings it right back on path. Your subconscious mind does the same thing. That's why you see people repeating the same results over and over and over again. Now, one of the biggest steps in understanding how to correct this within yourself is first and foremost, self-awareness. Yes. If you associate yourself with being the thought, if you associate yourself with being the belief, being the emotion, it is going to be very, very hard for you to step outside of that and recreate something different because you're identifying yourself with that belief. Exactly. So self-awareness is one of the first foremost steps that anyone is going to be able to take if they want to create any sort of change is looking at why it is they act a certain way and why they're doing things and where it came from. But I don't want people staying there. This is why people stay in counseling for years and years and years and years because they're constantly talking about the problem, right? It's like talking about in, the, in a lot of these groups around crappy clients who don't read book or people who don't tip. It's a constant focus on the subject. So mm-hmm. What's going to happen? It's going to be recreated because that's the focus. So understanding where the programs came from, the, your behaviors, your habits, where they come from is first and foremost. The second portion of this is going to be all revolved around understanding how it is that you're wanting to change. So if you, if you have a complaint around clients not rebooking in with you or clients canceling, whatever it may be, focusing on now, giving your subconscious mind directive around okay, I want to attract into my experience clients that do give good tips or clients, quality clients who are rebooking in with me all the time. If you continue to focus on that and really start visualizing and analyzing yourself in that situation because your subconscious mind, it processes through imagery and Mm -hmm. it processes through emotion, okay? The emotion is the key portion of this. So when you start focusing on the want aspect of what you're doing versus the current reality of the what you don't want, what happens is your subconscious mind will start to pay attention to that. Your subconscious mind is still a consciousness. It's still an awareness, okay? It will notice that you're now focusing repetitively. That's how that's how beliefs are formed is through repetition. Repetitively start focusing on the want aspect. Your subconscious mind, without you consciously being aware of it, is going to scan your environment for people, places, circumstances that match that inputted desire that you're putting into it. Exactly. Um, I sometimes will use the example of, say you're going to buy uh, a new vehicle and you're looking at a type of vehicle and say I'm looking at like a Jeep Wrangler and I've never had a Jeep Wrangler before, never really thought about them before, but I'm reading up a lot about them. They look pretty cool and I fit in it. I'm six and five. They fit, I fit in it and I look pretty cool in it. It's really giving me this emotion of, yeah, can really see myself in that. Then suddenly over the next few weeks, I start seeing Jeep Wrangler everywhere. <laughs> that's, all, that's all you see. And you probably see them in the color that you want. 100%. <laughs> the same model that you want. And you notice these things because it's just in your mind now. It's like that paradigm shift or that comfort zone shifts, right? Your mind will allow you to operate and stay in this comfort zone. And unless you're ready or, or con- take on strategies to bring about some sort of change to shift your paradigm or shift your comfort zone, your subconscious mind just kind of keeps you in that spot and draws you to where you're constantly thinking about it. all the time all the time and the, yeah. the, the cool thing about that as well and what a trick that i use um that i don't talk about very often so a trick that i use is i actually don't focus a whole hell of a lot on the specific details and i know that that's kind of a a no-no in in the personal growth and development community they saying you know focus so much on your goals and how specific details of your goal. But what happens if somebody doesn't know the specific details of their goal? What happens if someone doesn't specifically know what color they want as a Jeep Wrangler? All, mm-hmm. they, all they know 
is that they want this thing. So what I do, and I do this for most things because I'm very open to multiple possibilities coming to my experience. I focus on the emotion of what that feels like. So I know that I want this certain type of vehicle or say certain client in our case. I know that I want this certain type of client coming in or certain type of vehicle. I'm going to sit and I'm going to focus on the end result of how I feel once I've obtained it. Outside of that, it's out of my control. But the, the cool thing is, is that your subconscious mind is going to say, oh, okay, you want whatever it is that gives you this feeling. Okay, that's what it does. So mm -hmm. it's going to scan your environment for things that bring you that end desired result of the emotion. Sometimes the specifics around the detail can actually create more of a resistance because it may not necessarily be what you want. But you that's when you need to focus on the emotion of how it feels when you obtain it. That's why mm -hmm. focusing, getting frustrated about, you know, shitty clients who come in that don't tip or don't book, whatever the frustration is that you're feeling. When you allow yourself to constantly replay that and complain and get together with other people who bitch and complain about that, you are literally going to be recreating those circumstances right back into your experience to give you more things to bitch about because your subconscious mind thinks that that's what you want. That is mm -hmm. the marching orders you're giving it. And it's, it's a hard thing to do to really kind of reprogram the powerhouse. And I'll call it the powerhouse because it is. It's a hard thing to reprogram that because really when you think about it, whenever you have a negative thought or a negative experience, that lives with you for a very, very long time, right? You replay it in your head. You think about it over and over. You think about how you reacted. You think about how you felt in that scenario and you're just kind of reliving it. When is the last time something really positive or really good happened to you and and it lives with you as long as that negative does. Mm -hmm. So it's 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 a really tough go. I mean, we're kind of making it sound like, you know, super easy to kind of do, or I don't know, maybe we're not, but it's really a large task to kind of get in there, figure yourself out, understand your your subconscious mind, understand how your habits, your attitudes, your beliefs, your expectations play into what you are, and then recognizing that you know what, the belief system that you have and therefore the way you conduct yourself and control yourself, as you said before, initially was given to you. And until you start to make steps to take it back, well, you're kind of you're kind of stuck in that mode. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of moving parts around it. But the only reason why it seems so hard to do is because we've been practicing the opposite for so long. Yes. That's the only reason. Like, it's, 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 you have to think about it. If you've never gone to the gym and worked out before, or say you've never played a musical instrument before, well, of course you're going to suck at it because you've never done it before. There's no, exactly. There's no practice in there. But you've practiced so long doing the opposite. You're really, really good at it. That's why it seems so effortless and easy. When you start beginning to practice, um, understanding the mindset and understanding how to interrupt those thought patterns and attract more abundance and success into your experience through through actions, thoughts, behaviors, images, visualizations, emotions, all the above. When you practice doing that every single day, mm -hmm. that is what becomes easy. Then what happens is the old way of thinking about things now becomes uncomfortable. Exactly. That becomes your new normal. That becomes your new comfort zone. You got it. I totally dig it, man. I totally dig it. So is this the type of stuff that we're going to find in, in your book? Oh, yeah. This and oh, more. Nice. Yeah. The, the, the book is a uh, mirror image of, well, nearly a mirror image of my program because I almost finished creating an eight-week program that is going to be coupled with this book. And my clients, obviously, I want them to read the book before they do anything. And they can make ton of changes on their own just by reading the book and mm -hmm. they don't need to work with me to do it, but they'll get better results, obviously working with me. But reading the book is going to start you from beginning to end of everything that I teach and everything that I talk about. And as well, reading a lot of the literature that I write because I myself am a student of this material. I'm just regurgitating and teaching back what I have learned, what I have used, what I've adopted in my own life and what I've seen successes from. I'm still developing and still learning myself. So a lot of the material that I'm still pumping out to this day in a lot of my blogs and articles, there's going to be additional stuff in there that things that I have come to aha moments and realizations around. This is all part of growth. This is that personal growth and development portion of it, right? So yeah, so yeah, a lot of this stuff is in my book for sure. Tell me about the eight-week program that you're yeah, doing. Yeah, so the eight-week program is, uh, is is fun. It's, uh, it's, it's a mirror, again, I like to use the word mirror, I don't know why, mirror image of um, the book. And mm -hmm. I had created the concept around how to structure it because 
of how thinking into results when I was working with Bob was. And I took pieces of that that worked for me and my clients, and I limited eliminated pieces that didn't. The program is going to be very, very similar in the sense of they're going to be spending essentially a week on each topic. And mm-hmm. so those topics will include like goal setting, discovering what your niche is, understanding your self-image, uh, masterminding, like anything that really has to do with progressively improving your own growth as a massage therapist on the mindset side of things so that you can attract into your experience more abundance, more success in your career. So they're going to be spending a week each time on each lesson. Each lesson is going to have about two or three modules in it. And the modules have uh, videos that are recorded of me talking about the information. Uh, they'll have some really fun and easy uh, work worksheet stuff to work on just to get them to do some self-reflection, some realization. A lot of this is going to be revolved around having them disassociate from old beliefs and old thought patterns, realizing and understanding why they're getting the results that they're getting. And But it also sets them up for success afterwards because you cannot just all of a sudden become a successful massage therapist entrepreneur after taking an eight-week course. This is the leaping pad and the launching pad for them to continue working on themselves and understanding the baseline fundamentals of how to reprogram their mind, how to uh, avoid those success derailers that they might come up against, and how to continue the momentum moving forward to discovering what it is that they really want to do and who they are in that journey of theirs. This is awesome. I so dig it because this is just way beyond a massage therapy practice, mm-hmm. right? If you get involved in, from what I'm hearing, and I'm, I'm falling in love with you, man. If, if you get involved in this eight-week program and reading this book, this is, this is a life-changing thing. This is not just your career. This is a life-changing move. Talk to me about the importance of niche because I don't think a lot of massage therapists realize that there is a huge importance that you should be placing on niche, especially if you are looking to expand and grow your business. Yeah, it's, and it's funny too because I didn't even know much about niche until, God, like two years ago. I was being mentored by another mentor of mine who's in the States and she was. we were talking about you know, how, how can I focus my book? Cause she was helping me come up with the ideas around my book and everything. And, who, who was, and the, who was in the stage? Her name, yeah. Her name is Angela Loria. She's a fantastic, she's actually a life coach, but she focuses on people. She niches on people who are coaches that want to niche out and coach other people. So I right. didn't know any of this. I was just like, Oh, I'm hiring someone to help me write my book. This is great. Cause I suck at this stuff. Well, mm-hmm. so I tell myself anyways. And, uh, <laughs> And so she, she really helped me. And she, I, I said to her, look, like, I don't want to, I don't want to go specific because I'm eliminating so many people. And mm-hmm. she said, look, she goes, here's the thing. And this is where a lot of people get hung up. She said, in order to become universal, you first need to become very specific. I was like, what the hell does that even mean? I don't <laughs> even know what that means. And, and it took me a while to understand that, but. In order to become universal, so serve a lot of people, have a lot of clients coming in from all different angles, you first need to learn how to serve very few people. And those very few people, say I'm going to use carpal tunnel syndrome as an example. Say you have a client who has a carpal tunnel syndrome, or you're focusing on carpal tunnel syndrome because you know the anatomy and physiology behind it. You know how to have your clients avoid surgery. You know the ins and outs of of this, this condition. This is now becoming a niche focus for you. So you start marketing all of your material, all of your business stuff. You start talking about it. Everything is towards carpal tunnel syndrome. So in a niche, what you're doing, say it is carpal tunnel syndrome, you are going to be speaking to your clients from where they are at. So you're going to be mm-hmm. identifying the problem that they have. So say numbness, tingling in the hands and, and whatever activities that they're doing that's preventing them from experiencing life to their f- fullest, whatever it may be. And then you're going to be talking to their desired outcome. Now, their problem and their desired outcome might be something totally different than what you're going to be doing with them. But they don't know that because you're the subject matter expert on this. And this is what makes niches so fun because you're able to empathize and connect with your client based on where they're at. And you're able to take them by the hand and you're able to guide them to the solution that they want based on the method that you know that they need to get there. Mm-hmm. That's, that is what a niche is all about. So these people who you're marketing to, who have the specific problem that you're targeting, are also looking for you. Because they're Google searching, 
how to relieve carpal tunnel syndrome, how to not go for surgery, what techniques can I do for self-massage that will alleviate this condition. They're Google searching that stuff. So if you're smart, you'll look at that and say, oh, okay, now I'm going to reach out to somebody who knows how to do Facebook ads, market, whatever it may be. Go talk to them. Tell them, here's my niche. Here's what I want to focus on. That person, or if you can do it yourself, great. But that person is going to say, cool, okay, where do you where do you live? Let's market to everyone in this specific area who has done Google searches on this specific topic or topics related to it. That is the power of what a niche does. You, you, you're not casting this wide net where nobody's looking for you. Mm-hmm. You know, you may be a freaking awesome massage therapist and good for you if you are. But here's the thing. No one's looking for you. No exactly. one, pe- people aren't really like, I'm going for Thai massage tomorrow for the first time ever, never been in my life. And I found that because I was Google searching because I have, I have lower back issues and I have done for quite a while because of my height. And, and, and I do a lot of sitting at the computer and I know what my problems are in that aspect, but I'm Google searching types of massage that help and Thai massage came up and then Thai massage came up in my area. It was almost like there's this ad yep. that is, there's this Thai spa place that's down the road from me. And I just moved to Vancouver. I'm like, this is what niching is. This is the power of how these people are finding me because I'm looking for them. You know what I mean? So exactly. it's, it is such a cool, cool avenue to go down if you understand what it is. So Definitely. And once you start to develop your niche, as uh, Rebecca Overson says, she is a, a coach in the States. You know, yeah, she's a friend of mine. Is, Oh yeah, right on. Yeah. You know it, a problem you solve or or a population you serve. Those mm-hmm. are her her famous words. Love it. Um once once you start to understand your niche and work within your niche, guess what? It doesn't feel like dirty sales anymore, no, which was a big part of what people have a problem with. One of those mm-hmm. limiting beliefs about the idea of sale. So niching down is such a huge play in getting your business to go where you want it to go. Absolutely, absolutely. And I love that you said it doesn't feel like that because it's that's absolutely it. Before I understood who I was serving and what I'm doing right now, I procrastinated everything because mm-hmm. I didn't know what I was doing. And like, I knew what I was doing, but I didn't know who I was serving. I didn't have a purpose of what I was aiming for. And I didn't know who I was looking for. But once I was clear on who I was serving, I literally wake up at 5.30 every single morning. And I'm not a morning person, but my mind is just going first thing in the morning. And I'm excited about writing about this topic or reaching out to these people or or I check something right away and somebody wants a copy of something I wrote before or needs help or something. I love it. And it's the the difference in the energy that you put out there when you start to actually find your passion in your niche. The money doesn't it's not even it's not about the money anymore. It becomes about how can I serve and help as many people as I can because I love doing it. Mm-hmm. Nice, but money's man. just money's a nice, uh, <laughs> nice thing, obviously, because you can serve more people. If I was poor, well, I can't sort serve as many people. I can't pay for internet access. I can't pay for my website to be developed and all that. Like the more money I earn from what I do, the more people I can serve with that. That's what it is. Exactly. And that's why there should be no shame in the idea of making money doing what we do. Exactly. So who is your ideal client then? Who is your ideal client? Uh, my ideal client um, of how I identified it when I first started on this journey, uh, my ideal client are massage therapists who are wanting to uh, do more with themselves by uh, starting their own businesses, but they're just lacking confidence. They're, they're afraid that they're not good enough. They're, they, they have uh, a blank of, of excuses that they're hiding behind, like, oh, I'm getting married next year, or, oh, I'm going to wait till the economy's a bit better, or whatever it may be, that they, they really need to step into something different, but they just don't know how. And if I can help them and get them past those mental roadblocks, which is all that's creating those issues for them, if I can help them and get past those mental roadblocks, everything else will fall into place. Because a 100% starts with mindset. Like nobody would be doing what they're doing right now if they did not have a desire for something more than the, what they were doing previously. It comes mm-hmm. from an idea, it comes from a wanting to do more for yourself. But most people don't act on that desire. Most people don't act on that want because those old paradigms pop up, those old beliefs pop up that tell them that they can't do it. The self-image of saying that I'm not smart enough, good enough, I'm not an entrepreneur. What? And some people aren't. 
but whatever. Yeah, no, definitely but some people definitely not. Some people are, but but it's it's the awareness piece, and if we can get people to that awareness piece, everything else starts clicking into place for them. That is who. That's who I like to serve the most. Those are my ideal clients. Obviously. I wouldn't turn away people coming in and saying, Hey, I already have a business. I already mm-hmm. have employees. I'm working for myself. I just need to take myself to the next level because I'm feeling stagnant. 100%. Like this material helps everybody, but the, 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 uh, the previous is my focus for sure. Do you ever turn anyone away? Yeah. You know what? Yeah, I have actually. Um, it was it, not in this, um, section of what I'm doing now, but when I was working for Bob, I, I turned quite a few people away actually. Um, part of having a niche is being able to identify your what's known as your ideal client, the, the type mm-hmm. of people you, you mentioned that before, the type of people that you want to work on. These are quality clients who are enmeshed with how you're serving. Uh, I turned away a guy that came to me. His father had tried to sign him up for the Thinking the Results program. And he said, I'm going to pay for this for him. And he just, he, he was like a 20 year old kid and he just wanted to, you know, uh, get, get him off his ass and get him moving, find out what his passion was, his career and all that going into this whole story. And, and at the end, I said, I said, I'm sorry, I can't help you. And he was kind of shocked mm-hmm. by it. And at the time, I I did not have many clients. Not a lot of people knew who I was. And he's like, well, what do you mean? I thought this is what you did. And I said, absolutely. I can refer you to somebody I know that can help you. But I can't help you because it's he's not in a place where I can help him. He needs to go through some other things before. He needs to already know how to at least have a direction and where he's going for, for me to help him. But that being mm-hmm. said, if I ever turn away a client, if I ever say I can't help you, and that's why I have discovery sessions with my clients, because I want to see if we're a good fit to work together. I'm not right. going to sell them on information and a program that I can't help them with. That would just be me doing it for the money. Um, exactly. So I will always refer somebody out to somebody I know that can help them. And if I don't know anyone, I'll do research for them and say, here, I want you to look into this stuff, study this stuff, or go here and talk to this person. Because there are people that can help other people that I can't help. It's just the way it is. But the biggest thing with that guy with uh, trying to sign his son into it was that the father was paying for it. And the thinking into results program at the time was like $6,000 for the six months. And he was paying for his son. The son has absolutely no skin in the game. So there's no, there's nothing for, there's nothing that the son is giving up to, to gain more from it. He's having it paid for and everything. Right. So yeah. So that's pretty much a big reason why I turned him away. But yeah, there's, there's reasons why I turned people away, but uh, I haven't had that yet in this, um, in this niche anyway. So. Mm -hmm. Give us an idea of a super great success story that you've had with one of your clients. Yeah, so this is actually a client because it's the same material, but uh, this is actually a client of mine that I had um, a while ago. And it was when I was in between the Thinking into Results program and what I'm doing now. And it actually led me into how I wrote my book and what I was building uh, this program with. Um, so when I was working, when I was working for uh, WestJet Airlines as the Occupational Health and Safety, when I first started getting into a lot of this stuff again, I had a colleague who I would just chat to at lunchtime all the time and we would just chat about a lot of this stuff. And she would tell me about how she was wanting to do more at WestJet, uh, do more in her career. And she wanted to go and work in, um, I think it was like planning and scheduling and in-flight or something. And at the time she was working in my department in safety and she didn't want to do it anymore. And so we started chatting a lot about limiting beliefs and, and I got her to, you know, do a lot of, uh, self work on, um, why she had these beliefs that she wasn't able to get promoted. Mm-hmm. And she's applied for other positions in the company before, always getting turned down for some reason. Just things weren't working out for her. So I worked with her for probably on and off for probably about a month and a half. And she had, uh, she had let me know that she had started solely focusing only on the feeling of, having a promotion and going into something which she enjoyed. Mm-hmm. And so she she had she had her eyes on this position and in, in scheduling and she had decided that uh, you know what? 
she's not qualified for this job, but she's going to go and do it anyways. Mm-hmm. And so she applied for this position. Well, uh, she was chatting about two weeks later. She was chatting with this guy that she oftentimes talks to at, in the cafeteria. And this guy, uh, she didn't really know what he did uh, at the company. She just got along with him, chatting with him. And she comes to find out, she told him about this, this job that she applied for in the company. Turns out that he's actually the hiring manager for the <laughs> position. The stories that she's telling me about this, it was like synchronicity, everything lining up for her. Mm-hmm. Um, she had said to me, if I, she said, look, if I wasn't working on myself in this way, if I didn't have this awareness and this type of perception, she's like, I probably wouldn't have applied for the job because it would have scared me. I probably wouldn't have taken the risk. Long story short, everything came together to work for her because she made the decision to do it. She she told her subconscious mind that this is what she wants, how she wants to feel. She didn't make any effort towards it other than those inspired actions. And mm-hmm. everything lined in place for her. And she's been working in that apartment now for the last two and a half years. She's happy. Nice. She's she she applied this stuff to her own personal life and relationships. Uh, she's now in a fantastic relationship that um, beforehand she never thought she would have gotten into. She suffered um, self-image stuff with acne because she had a lot of acne on her face. She started applying mm-hmm. a lot of what I was teaching her, a lot of what she learned towards towards her own self-image of how she felt about herself with her acne. Her acne had started to go away. Like, it's just messed up. It just still, it like, baffles me the power of how the subconscious mind works. If you understand that you're the driver behind the driver's seat, you know what yep. I mean? Like you can get into the car and let the car take you where you're going to go, or you can get in the car, drive it yourself and point it in the direction of where you're wanting to go. And that's what I did for her. And, and that's probably, I still think about that to this day. And I think about how cool that was. So right on, yeah, man. Yeah. That's awesome. And I'm still building my massage therapy success story. <laughs> <laughs> So talk to me about the book. I have no idea what goes into writing a book and it kind of fascinates me. What made you say like, hey, I want to write this down. And how do you even start this process? Like I have no clue on where this would start. I didn't either. And that's why I hired somebody. So because mm. I, um, I, I knew that I knew the power of, of um, written word and I knew the power of um, being able to give something tangible to people that they can read and study on their own time. Mm-hmm. And I also had a lot of information inside of me that I wanted to get out. And so I thought, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to write a book. And I think that um, this is the best avenue for me to go down. And even if I don't ever get into coaching, at least I can say I'm helping people still by putting mm-hmm. a book out there and by giving them this information. And really it was the decision around writing this book, Massage Therapist Success Mindset, was what clarified for me what I was supposed to be doing in all of it. Um, it's funny because when you go to make a decision towards doing something, and even if you don't really know how it's going to turn out, that decision that you make to work towards something is going to unfold the next steps for you. Mm-hmm. And the book did that. When I made the decision that I was going to write the book, it's like the people just came into my experience that would help me. I, my uh, Angela Loria came into my experience. The instructions were there. They were mm-hmm. there for me. And it's not like she just appeared out of the blue. She's been there the whole time. I just made the decision and she came into my awareness because my, I was telling my subconscious now that this is what I want to do. This is how I want to feel with it. And it just created it to happen. So yeah, I, I hired that out. Um, I'm, I'm a little bit of a slower learner. It takes me, um, to do things over and over for me to actually grasp the concept and be able to do it automatically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and which is kind of a good thing because I utilize that and I help my clients who might necessarily be the same way as me. Right. Um, but yeah, it was a decision to write it and then writing it, hiring that out, getting them to help me with all of that. And then I decided to self-publish because I just, again, the entrepreneur in me was like, I can do it myself. I can make this myself. Did the self-publishing thing. And man, that's a whole nother world. Mm. I didn't realize how complicated that was. And I really have zero interest in it. And uh, that's, again, when uh, I was pushed into the idea of why don't I find a publisher? Then all of a sudden, everything started lining up for a publisher to come into my experience. And literally just last week, 
I, um, I had an acceptance letter from Morgan James Publishing. And they said, we read your manuscript. We love it. We want you as on our team as one of the authors. And uh, they were telling me that they get thousands of submission submissions and only 3% even make it to the interview cut. So I was wow. pretty honored. I didn't realize that at the time. But again, a decision that I'm okay. I don't need to do this myself. I can have somebody else help me with this. That decision-making ability that I had created the answers to come into my experience and is still leading me down a path that I part of me has no idea where I'm going. I just know how it's going to feel at the end. And mm-hmm. I'm just trusting that. I'm just trusting yeah. that journey and that path. So I've got two questions for you about the book then. First, how long did it take you to put everything together? And the second, is there any part of this book that you're like, mm, if I can rewrite something here, I would, or you're not quite, it, you know, it's, it's not quite exactly the way you want it to come out. And I know it's weird kind of asking this question, but I play music. And I used to write music in a band and there was never, even, even though the songs were very well received and, you know, they got radio play or the record company's interested in stuff. There's, there was never that perfect song that I just was like every part of it. I was like, yes, there was always something like, Ooh, there's something about this that I just, it's not right for me. Of course. Yeah. It, it, um, just for your first question, it took me two months to write it. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of an all out kind of person. So when I do something, especially if I'm under the gun and somebody else is looking at me and saying, Hey, we want this in, Mm -hmm. um, I, I, so I wrote it in two months. It was, I, I discovered is I'm actually, it's easy for me to write. So I found it was a little bit of a a natural thing for me. I found something that worked for me. Were you always, were you always into writing? Uh, no, I sucked in school. I sucked at every subject <laughs> in school. I did. I, I was terrible at everything. It's just because I was bored and I didn't, you know, I was kind of a shitty kid. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I was never an academic in anything. But I wrote poetry when I was younger. And I think maybe that was kind of the start of it. But, mm-hmm. uh, uh, but yeah, do I go back and look at things I want to change? I do. And I do. Because I, right now it's in, uh, has not been published in paperback. It's much harder to go in and, and make changes when something's in paperback. Yeah. Um, but I have gone in and made alterations and edits of certain things, things that I, because I'm not the same person now as I was when I wrote that book. The messaging is still the same, a lot of the yeah. stuff, but a lot of my insights and my growth in yeah. this business has changed my perception on things. But that's why I do the articles and the blogging. Mm-hmm. And I throw all that into there. Be rest assured that there's going to be another book coming on the side of this one. But some of the information might be a little bit different. But the general meat and potatoes around this information is still exactly what I follow by and what I teach for sure. So Right on. Yeah. Right on. Let's, uh, let's tell our audience how to get in touch with you, where they can find you, how they can get yeah. involved with your different programs. So um, you can go to my website, uh, it's, uh, Um On there, you'll be able to find everything to know about me that I want you to know about me. <laughs> and so you can go on there. <laughs> Where do we and, find the stuff that you don't want to I, see? Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to tell you. Um, but uh, yeah, so you can go and uh, check me out on my blog. I post all my blogs on there. I'm on LinkedIn under, um, I think it's Rich Platt on LinkedIn. Maybe Richard Platt. Um, I have a Facebook group called massage therapist success mindset that i am building um getting a lot of traction on i just love the community of people in there um it's there's zero gossip there's zero anger towards anything and i'm very adamant on that that it's only focused on um positivity and achievement and success and lifting each other up Uh, the program that i'm building is set to be released in hopefully july um, so stay tuned for that. Um, I'm currently working on doing some, um, master class stuff. Uh, so I'll be posting that in, in my group when that's up and available, but yeah, reach out to me on Facebook. Like that's probably one of the best avenues that you can reach me at Richard J. Platt. I have my Facebook page there and everything. So you can reach me on there. Questions, comments, any, any of the, any of the above. So great on man. Yeah. You're 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 a uber entrepreneur. Thanks, buddy. You think entrepreneurs are born, or you think they're made? I think that some people are just really good employees and yeah. really good, you know, at at helping other people um, do their thing. And then there's other people that just want that are really good at setting the path 
around um, creating change and being that uh, thought leader and, and, and changing. I think that anyone can do entrepreneurial work, but I don't think everyone should be doing entrepreneurial mm-hmm. work. So like I said, some people are just better employees and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing well, wrong. For with sure. That. Yeah. You know, I know people who have passion around washing cars. Like if that's your passion, do it. You know, yeah. you can make millions of dollars doing that if you wanted to do it. Yeah. You know, but no, I, I, I definitely think it's like confidence, man. Like it's, you're not born with the confidence. Confidence is a skill that you learn to develop. And I think mm. even if you are a kind of an entrepreneur who's a natural at being an entrepreneur, there's still skills that you need to build on being a good entrepreneur. For sure. For sure. Last, last thing I'm, I'm really curious about rules. Are you a rule breaker? Are you a rule follower? Well, it depends on. Depending on what the rules are. If I set rules for myself that I'm not going to, you know, open up Facebook first thing when I wake up in the morning, I follow those because I understand mm-hmm. what happens when I don't do that. Because the first thing I read in the morning is usually typically what I'm going to be, you know, adjusting throughout my day. So, okay. How about this then? Rules that are, are laid out, not created by you. Um, <laughs> good question. I've never been asked that before. You know, I guess it's subjective on the situation. I... I think that rules come from people's experiences based on the outcomes that they've received from it. That doesn't necessarily apply to everybody. Mm-hmm. I think some rules are stupid that I don't mm. follow. And there's other yep. rules that are in place for a reason. So, yeah, I don't know. I think that's a very um, situational, perceptive kind of question. So, yeah, I, I feel uh, like most entrepreneurs, most most hardcore entrepreneurs like you that I come across, um, rules are kind of like, if the rules make sense to me, then fine. If they don't, yeah. they're not my rules. No, absolutely. They're the rules that somebody else has come up with based on their experience with them. Right. So, and, and you got to do what works for you. As long as you're not hurting people, as long as you're not cheating and, and, you know, being a dick, then do what works for you and do what helps people. Right on, brother. It's been good, man. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. This has been fun. You guys have been listening to two massage therapists in a microphone. Peace.